0: Good morning, friends, fellow Evolvers, and curious people everywhere. Welcome to this episode of Being with Sally Wilson. I'm Sally Wilson, and it's a great pleasure to have with me as our guest today, James Cuskelly. Welcome, James.
1: Good morning, Sally. Hello, everyone.
0: So James is considered a global leader in music education, and he directs internationally recognized programs, including the summer school program summer school music program in Brisbane, uh, which will be online this year. And uh, the Australian Cadet certificate programs in Malaysia, in Perth, Brisbane, Adelaide, England, Scotland, New Zealand, you know, you all get the picture. So James was also awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia for service to music education in the Queen's Birthday 2018 honours list. Um, And I say that because his contribution to music education is just extraordinary and his knowledge of it inside and out is also just huge um and he's taught he's taught music to all ages from little tiny kids to adults so um i'm really looking forward to delving into some music education information today james and just to start off with can you can you tell us was music important to you as a child and if so how
1: Great question Sal and sort of a a difficult one to answer in some ways. I guess I have to explain my context. I grew up in the country uh, and we weren't a wealthy family at all. Yeah, We went to a little Catholic school. Uh, Was there music at school? Not much, of course, we sang at school a bit, we sang at church, did that sort of thing. I had musical grandparents, particularly my Italian grandmother, who was a singer and played piano a little, but she loved music. And I do remember one day in year three coming home and saying to my mother that I would like to learn music. And in my mind, I thought I was going to learn cello and harp, but I was duly sent off to Sister Mary and Nicola uh, to learn piano, of course, because that's all there really was in the small town. Interestingly, Sister Mary Nicola also had taught my own mother 40 years earlier. Oh, wow. Sort of continuing a tradition, I guess. Uh, so in that sense, I was one of those funny little kids that went off to do music. Music was considered to be something that you uh, learned through the learning of an instrument. But I was lucky, as I say, in the sense that my family, there was music in my family. Not in the sense that we all made music together. That would have been fantastic. Mm. But certainly music had a certain value. Uh, And I do know any time either of my grandmothers were at our place, it was my job to sit at the piano and play something. So music was there, but I certainly didn't feel like I had an extensive music education not Mm. at all Uh, and when i went off to the university to study of course i was just some kid from the country who could play a bit of piano i didn't have what i now consider to be a comprehensive or an in-depth music education was music important to me undoubtedly actually Mm. i was never a child that was told that i needed to go and practice I just did it, A, because I was one of those biddable children, but clearly I enjoyed it, I learned something, I got something from it. And I even continued to practice during the holidays. I would go to my grandmother's place and practice there. Uh, And I think in some of those small towns where there's not much else. Yes, I played sport and I did those things, but there wasn't much else going on. Ideally, I think I would have liked to have been involved in dancing. That's mm. what I think I really loved. But we didn't have that opportunity. So music was important. It was a really uh, 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 a valuable thing for me to do and kept me off the streets, of course. Made, made me, yeah, uh, <laughs> had something else to be interested in. And I think even as a young child, I wasn't really much interested in hanging around the cafes and smoking mm. with the other kids that That didn't really interest me, you know, so I guess there's always been something in me that was interested in and attracted to the bit of discipline, the sort of expression, the challenge. I enjoyed all that stuff. So yeah, mm. music was important.
0: Yeah. And so why do you think music education, in the broader sense that that you're thinking of it now, why do you think that is important?
1: Uh-huh. So that's a really big one. Let me start with telling you a story. I had already done a degree at the university and let me tell you, I was no sterling student. Um, My sort of limited background meant that the way I engaged with music at the university, which was presented very much as a sort of theoretical performance based idea, it didn't have a lot of appeal to me and it didn't convince me that that was what music was all about. Uh, And as I was about to start a diploma of education, um, we were required to visit a number of schools to look at different ways that music was being taught. And a girl that had been in my class at uni had gone to a particular school where they had this Kodai thing. And I remember sitting on the floor. I went to see these children uh, with a group of six-year-olds. And I, I was utterly overwhelmed by what these kids were doing. Here were children with skills way beyond anything I had. Mm. Who cares about having done piano exams and had a degree and did all of this. I could see that these children had a way of engaging with music that I had never seen. I couldn't have imagined. And more importantly, they could do things that I couldn't do. They could do sing in tune clap in canon the rhythm of a song. They were 60 years old and they were engaging, they were thinking in a musical way that I had just never seen. And so I guess uh, at that point, uh, I, was, I, I was so amazed by what was possible. And of course, I went back Uh, to see more and more of this way of teaching. And it became very obvious to me very quickly that this wasn't just about music education, not at all. Mm -hmm. I have been deeply involved in social justice. I had some background in theology and in psychology. Uh, I was working in the theater, I was dancing. I was doing all of these things. And here in this classroom, I was watching all of those things happening. And I remember about the third visit thinking, this isn't music education. This is cultural transformation. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. And when I you know, had read and seen lots of theories about um, the child being at the centre of music education, again, it was an idea, but I'd never seen it. And now mm-hmm. I saw a way of engaging children in music initially, but in learning, which was profoundly unlike anything else. And it had such a deep potential for the development of the individual child, for the development of the group and of the establishment of a culture in a school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now 40 years later, we talk about how important cultural transformation is, how we teachers and educators are the setters of culture within classrooms. I remember seeing this. 40 years ago and being amazed. So at that point, I I, I was lucky, I guess, because I hadn't had classroom music education. I had not been put through a different form. All I could do was play piano. That's what I could do, fine. And so I started a, a career in education this way. If you like, I didn't have to undo other ideas about how children might learn or how we might engage them about the impact of children on individual uh, of education on individual children and the ripple effect that can have. I didn't have to undo any of that. Mm. It was if I was seeing the right way of doing it initially, and for me that's profound. I think that if we were to focus on powerful ways of teaching, if we were to demonstrate that very clearly, instead of constantly uh, inventing new theories or constantly fragmenting our way of looking at things with very, very specific research, instead of seeing a whole comprehensive way of teaching and learning. This way too uh, of, of learning music had the most incredible musical outcome. So you know, let's let's step back from that bigger picture for a moment. Uh, initially, I was interested in music education. I was going to be a music teacher. That's what I was going to do, uh, and this way of teaching was simply incomparable. The outcomes for those children they were extraordinary. And how did I know that? Because my friend, who was at the university with me in the same year, she was the most profoundly musical person I had ever met. I remember just being astounded by this girl, this sort of deep internal understanding of music. It was just in her and she had come through that program. And yes, it helped that her own mother was a music teacher, a private piano teacher, Uh, but there was something so different about this girl. So I was seeing a graduate, what it looked like at a university level, and where it began with five and six-year-olds. And I thought it was just amazing. Uh, Mm. And since then, my own experience in teaching, nearly 40 years of teaching in classrooms now, um, I see that what we produce then is a very different child we're careful about what we do what happens as a result and of course many of us if i'm a year two teacher i'm deeply involved with those children for year two then they go on to the next teacher and i have a new group of kids the advantage of being the itinerant music person is you teach all of the children and therefore you have the potential to see over an extended period of time and in my previous school Uh, I started with the children when they were three and potentially could teach them until they were 18. Mm. And so I can be this enormous influence on those children, hopefully an influence for good. But I guess what it does is allow me as an educator to reflect all the time what's happening. Here's where they were in Year 5. Here's where they are in Year 7. Look at what I did back there in Year 5 and now I can see the benefit of that work in Year 9. So it, for me as an educator, really had this deep impact on my understanding of education. It wasn't just a little bit. It wasn't for a year. It wasn't just in the primary school or just in the high school. I was walking alongside children over many, many years. And I guess as a result of that, my view of education is quite different to the way that other people see and understand music education. Uh, I guess I would wish that everyone did that, that everyone started in early childhood, learned how to work with three year olds. There's no point in taking out your pencil and your writing books. We don't do any of that when we're in Mm. the infant years. And so then we have to really question or really understand what does music mean for a three-year-old? It's not about learning an instrument. It's not about reading music. It's about the experience of the music. It's about being immersed in the music in this most natural way, just Mm. singing and playing. Uh, And then from that basis, to walk with those children and slowly unveil, if you like, or help the children to discover certain things. So, literacy, being able to read and write music. It's no big deal. The children just learn it as they go. And in my world, ideally, they learn to read and write through singing before they ever pick up an instrument. And if that happens, if the child already understands much of the symbolism of music, the symbols as they're written on the page, then learning an instrument isn't driven by decoding some abstract set of dots and dashes. Mm, mm. It's driven by an internal conceptualization of music. Let's just learn about where you put your fingers then. I noticed that those children, for example, A, tend to be more successful in learning an instrument, B, tend to progress much faster. I mean, why don't children continue to play instruments? Well, I think it's a long, hard road Mm. because you've got to learn how to hold the violin and what to do with the bow in your other hand. And you've got to look at that thing and there are five lines and the time signature and there are bar lines and tars and tees and crotchets and quavers and, oh, careful, (laughs) that's a sharp. How is the child coping with any of that? Yeah. Instead, the child has the music in their head already can look at the page and sing it, read it, and all they have got to do is put their fingers in one place. Again, it's just this completely other way of looking at music education. Mm. So I think what that does too, we know that music is a complex task, and in education more broadly, if we want children to become complex thinkers, then they should be given complex, complex tasks. We can't give children simple tasks and expect them to end up being able to think in quite complex ways, and there's this sort of disjunct, I think. And when I say complex tasks, I want to make sure that I'm clear. The complex tasks are tasks that the child can achieve, and that they're appropriate to the age, and we simply continually build the complexity of the task. So for a three or four year old, it might be sing the song with me and walk on the beat. They are doing more than one thing at once. They have to remember the tune and the rhythm and the words and walk on the beat. There's a whole lot of things going on for a little child. Uh, I could be saying a rhyme with a child what was the question and what was the answer? We're building the understanding of linguistic structures in, for example, even with very young children, but it's all done through play. So if you like, if music is a complex phenomenon, and it is, it's a multi-dimensional phenomenon, many things happening at once, I think for children to be successful in that, then we have to make sure we set them up for that success. We build very gradually and slowly that complexity in. And what does that then mean? Well, we build a whole lot of intellectual capacity in the child. I know it sounds like a bit of a um, panacea. It sounds like a cure-all for everything. And I'm not suggesting it's not. There are plenty of the children who I teach who struggle with some of the work we do. But my point would be they are still engaging in some element of music learning and therefore of the other aspects of that music learning. Um, I think there is such enormous benefit from learning music in very specific ways, mind. I'm not a fan of the sort of broad statements that say music makes you smart. My question is what music? What, Mm -hmm. playing bassoon or? you know, singing a a pop song. They're both considered music. Are they the same activity? Not Mm -hmm. at all. I think we haven't defined that very clearly. And again, I would go back to this experience I've had of working with children from the youngest ages and watching over 10, 12, 15 years as they develop uh, and trying to be very conscious all the time of how I can build in certain capacities so that the child, uh, individual child, is growing in all aspects. Um, I guess too, I would uh, you know use the words often quoted as Kodai's quote, but not it's Schumann who said, the well trained musician has a well trained hand, well trained ear, a well trained mind, and a well trained heart, and all of those things must develop together. And I think much of our music education, especially when it's dependent upon instrumental learning, tends to get out of kilter. Hmm. Yes, a child may play. I was one of those. I played the piano. But was my mind, was my understanding of the theoretical, structural elements of music sophisticated? No. How was my ear? No, not very. How was my heart? Well, maybe I was quite a sensitive child and brought up in a way that that meant that was okay. But my point here is, I think ideally, children need all of those things to develop so they remain a whole person at the other end, not just a performing automaton. We don't Mm. need that. There's something about a child performing the music but with this connection to, with themselves and more broadly to their audience. And do I connect all that with the way that we begin when they're three years old? Yes, I do. Mm. I see all of that as part of the development of the whole child. Uh-huh. Right.
0: Mm. It's such a far, I mean, it's, I was like you, James, in that I I had the natural discipline and I went and practiced the piano and I played the piano. Um, But I remember when I was in secondary school and um, a teacher had given me Debussy, the girl with the flaxen hair or something, and a recording to listen to. And I listened to the recording, then I played it like the recording. And um, and (laughs) because, you know, that's better than I could have done if I'd tried to, you know, I didn't really know how to express that music. So I played it like the recording and I remember... (laughs) I remember a teacher coming around the corner and saying, oh, I knew that must have been you playing. Um, it's got a level of maturity about it. And I was thinking, it's not my maturity. <laughs> it's, I don't even know who was playing on the recording. But but that's what you mean, is it by little automatons who can sort of get, get up and, and play and they're, they're not necessarily deeply connected to the music. Yeah.
1: Correct. Well, and I can't help but wonder, Sally, uh, obviously I've, I've worked with a lot of children uh, and I've worked at the university for many years and I wonder about this question of talent. Mm. You know, we talk all the time about helping to unveil a child's talent and, and I'm increasingly dubious about that. Could I said, we're all more talented under the age of 15 than over? And I wonder what on earth does that mean? Um, And I've watched children that I've worked with. I can't help but wonder from my own experience too, was I a talented child? Well, I played the piano better than other kids and I did well in exams and things. But what I really did was imitate. I copied what my own teacher would play. She would play and like you would listen to recording and then I'd play it. Oh, I must be a clever musician because I've been able to this i must be talented or was i just a good mimic is that really what it was Uh, and i have worked with many children and seen some of them you know progress very very rapidly but when it comes down to an understanding of the music those children are often very very poor Mm. Uh, And I'm thinking of a particular child who I taught in an intensive program, she was playing way beyond the level of what we were doing in class, but she didn't understand it. And when I asked the child, I said, how are you learning? She was violinist. How are you learning this music? Are you reading all the music? And she said, oh, no, I just listen to the YouTube and play along. Oh, my word. Mm. Is that music talent? And then my question would be, let's think more deeply about what is music intelligence then? And I think in the last 20 years, we've thought about that idea a great deal. We've got people like Gardner and um, um, Gordon Gardner saying there are very specific types of intelligence, one of which is music. Gordon's saying music intelligence is really characterised by what he would call audiation the ability to hear sound and assign meaning to it. If you think of it, and he he makes the analogy or a comparison with language, language is constructed. It's just sounds that we put together to form a unit called a word, and that word refers to something. So if I say tree, we all have some idea of what a tree is. But it's not the tree itself. So if I sing, da dum there's a particular musical gesture, a unit, and if we're taught something about music, it has some meaning to us. It, it means more than it is in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So I guess if we start to then think that audiation is about understanding, assigning meaning to sound, what's the purpose of music education then? Surely the purpose of all education is to draw forth the intelligence, to develop the intelligence. And if that's connected to an understanding of sound, that becomes, if you like, a primary thing that motivates or primary building blocks for music education Mm. this development of sound, an oral approach, which is exactly how we learn language. The child is born, we hold the baby, we talk to it, it's, the baby is surrounded by language, the baby babbles, slowly selects sounds which gets the right responses from parents, slowly starts to use words and build sentences. It's all happening long before we learn the symbol. So it's exactly the same with music. Let's mm-hmm. immerse the children in the sounds of music and then slowly draw those other things, this idea of reading and writing, the literacy and the performing, the playing of uh, an instrument. Um, I guess, therefore, music education for me is rightly to do with the development of the musical intelligence. The real musical instrument is the musical mind. Mm. A piano or a flute or a violin is just a tool. It doesn't matter how good that tool is. You can have a Stradivarius, but if someone doesn't have a good musical mind, it means nothing. Yes, it's the same thing if you're a carpenter. You have to have a way of thinking about the activity to use the tools appropriately. So I guess I'm stepping back from the idea that music education is about learning an instrument. Don't get me wrong. We should learn instruments. I'm simply saying that there is some work to do before we send a child off for music lessons on an instrument. I think we should be doing all of this other work, singing with children, moving with children, preferably in groups. There's a whole way that we can help the child to develop uh, their understanding and engagement with music. And let me just add one more thing there if we're talking about small children. and this analogy that we've got with language learning. Why would I really favour a singing-based approach, a vocal approach? Well, because we're using words and words are connected to language. Now, we have very significant research in the last few years that music profoundly affects language acquisition. The elements of music, beat and rhythm in particular, but also pitch, pitch a little bit later on. But these elements of music profoundly affect language acquisition. We wouldn't say to a child, come to the table, come to the table, come to the table, come to the table, come to the table. table." We wouldn't say it, but we can sing those words over and over in a song over and over with the child and repeat it because of this musical aspect the beat the rhythm and the pitch and in this way the repetition is very significant and i would make the observation that i'm seeing more and more children who turn up and prep four-year-old children who lack those initial steps towards language acquisition. So there are some children who have never been bounced on their mummy, grandmother's, dad's knee so that they can look at the formation of words on the lips of that caregiver. That work is really important. Otherwise the child doesn't learn how to form their lips. They don't follow the shape of the particular sounds. And it seems like such a a sort of obvious but also terribly old-fashioned idea Now, really is that what we do yeah that's what we do we have to interact with that child up close and the child has to look at the adults face look at their lips listen to the sounds and if that's not happening children are sitting in front of screens instead and they're turning up at school already they're behind the eight ball hmm. so of course make sure those children sit right in front of me. If I get that chance to be a partner, I'm a partner with one of those children. I encourage those children to watch me, say the words with me, sing the song with me. So these are all the sorts of things, if you like, the prerequisites, the precursors that really assist with something like language acquisition. And Of course, that has enormous impact on the development of literacy capacities. So for me, music education has this clear uh, um, line, if you like, so that we are producing the best musical outcomes. But there are all of these other impacts for the child as well. Mm.
0: And so for the people who are listening to this, thinking, "Well, I'm not musical," you know, adults, I'm not musical. I've, I've got kids, and I want to expose them to music. I can't. I can't afford the music lessons. Um, it's. It's really about doing those basic things with the kids. yeah,
1: Absolutely. Uh, of course, uh, music lessons, individual instrumental lessons, they're expensive. Mm. They cost money. And in many ways, I think parents are paying for things and not really getting the best benefit out of it. By far, the most profound thing you can do as a parent, as a caregiver, is to interact with your own child. Say rhymes with your child, bounce your child on your knee. Oh, my child's six years old. That's all right. Sing a song with your child, play a game with your child. And there are uh, huge numbers of resources available online. For example, of course you can get other, you can buy things, but there are lots of things available available for free, where you can simply do it. But please don't find something online and then sit your child in front of the screen. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's so, <laughs> not the idea.
0: <laughs> so can you just name a couple of those free online resources that people could look up, James?
1: Uh, yes, of course you would put me on the spot straight away. I'm just thinking, so Kodaly, that's this version of music education that I'm interested in. It's spelled K-O-D-A-L-Y, it looks like Kodaly. If you look for any of the Kodai web, uh, websites, so certainly Kodai Australia is significant. In America, there are enormous numbers of those websites, many of which will include videos. Uh, if you look at NYCOS, National Youth Choir of Scotland, they have a huge educational arm. Uh, they have a whole lot of videos up. Think of the British Kodai Academy. So, so there really are lots mm. and lots of sources. Many of those sources might simply be games, uh, uh, songs, for example. Well, well, I I can't really sing. Doesn't really matter. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Because honestly, that is what so many people say, but I can't sing. I don't have a voice. Well, actually, we all do.
1: We all do. And you can't sing at this point, perhaps because you just didn't get the chance. Mm. Maybe you just didn't get that chance. And, of course, that singing is about being a bit confident. It's just you and your child. Sing along a bit. Hum a bit. You don't have to sound like Beyonce. Sing gently (laughs) and quietly. Just interact with that child. Because, remember, that child learned to speak from you. Even though you didn't have the voice of a radio broadcaster, you can still speak. So you just spoke with the child. Um, I I remember teaching a group of four children uh, and all quite closely um, together, uh, and all profoundly musical kids. And I remember speaking to the parents. I said, so it's one of you two, who is it that's got all the music in the family? Who's doing all the work? And the mother said, it's not me, it's him. Every night, he bathes them all. He puts them all in the bath and he sings a bit of Elvis with them or he sings a bit of anything with them. And that was the difference. Mm -hmm. Dad was happy to just sing along with the kids. He just did it. So the kids turn up at school already set up. They're musical. So I think the big message to parents is, all right, maybe you and I didn't get the best music education. I didn't. I didn't get all of that intensive work, but we've gone on. But why not try and make, or why not make that decision that your own children won't miss out? Just interact with the kids. Sing a few songs, say some rhymes. If you're really that terrified of singing, that's okay say some rhymes, play some finger games with the children. These are all great things. Do some bounces and tickles and if you search for any of those words, bounces, tickles, finger rhymes, rhymes, story rhymes, these are all the materials that we use in the infant school.
0: And I think you mentioned to me Community Music Victoria had some good resources as well James.
1: Community Music Victoria is just fantastic. Perhaps it's more at the other end. It's mm. more about engagement with the older community. So lots of folk singing, lots of getting people involved in music for all sorts of reasons, mm. musical and non-musical reasons. Uh, and look, they may very well have some uh, early childhood stuff as well. I'm just not aware of it, Sal, but I would absolutely recommend having a look there. yeah
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, because they do have um, a book that you recommended, um, you know, for people who, parents out there who are thinking, well, I, I can't read music, how am I going to do any of this? Well, often they, they have a CD and you can play the CD and learn yeah. it from the CD and then do it with your child or
1: whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So many of those resources will have um, recordings. And as I say, online, you'll find lots and lots of those mm. recordings. Available for free. Uh, And, you know, that's this year. In a year, maybe you've learned five or six or ten rhymes or songs or games. Well, then learn a few each year. It's quite interesting what will then start to happen. And I also think you might find that there may be classes for young children. Yes, it might cost. But, of course, if you take an individual child off for an individual lesson, well, that's $40 for half an hour. But if you take an individual child off for a group lesson, well, maybe that's 5 or $6. Maybe mm-hmm. that's quite a different thing and it might fall within an affordable range for some folk. But as I say, I think there are plenty of resources online for free that people should be doing. And really, I think what we need to do is reclaim that as our birthright. Why is it that we don't know a whole lot of nursery rhymes, a whole lot of songs, a whole lot of finger Why don't we know that? Interestingly, I did a little project at one of my schools uh, and I wanted to check resources that I was using in the early childhood years with what the parents, the caregivers, the uh, grandparents knew. So I asked any of those caregiver uh, people, any of the interested parties, to just come and sit with me. And I would say, so what I'd like you to do is sing me any of your nursery rhymes. And they'd say oh, I don't, th- I don't think I know any, it's just that one that I brought. And I said, oh, okay, so do you know Seesaw Marjorie Do? Oh, yes, I know that one. So that's thing. Do you know Ringa Ringa? Oh, yes. I-. And soon as I started to suggest things, people started to become aware that they did know materials. They really did. Uh, but I think what we've seen, the rise of the sort of screen media, the rise of recordings. We've lost that basic human interaction between Mm. adults and children, which we now understand that's a really vitally important part of a child's development. And I guess part of my mission is to say to people, reclaim it. It's your right to interact with your child in the most easy, natural, beautiful way. Mm. Just sing a few songs, read some stories and act them out. That's what we really want. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and choirs have played a very big role in your professional life as well, James. Um, can you talk to us a bit about choirs and their role?
1: Sure. Uh, again, for me, it's such a big topic because I've got so many thoughts around it. I guess let me ask you uh, or let me pose the question, what's the function of music? In our society, what's the function of music? Oh, well, it's to get onto the voice and get through the (laughs) final. I wasn't thinking that. (laughs) I'm sure other people were. (laughs) But I'm just using that as an example of of what we understand music making to be. In Mm. the classical world, it was, oh, to win a competition, to play the Rachmaninoff faster than anyone else, to play as a soloist at Carnegie Hall. It was always seen, or it is often seen, as some sort of individualistic solo thing. And it was often, uh, or is often now, seen to be a competitive thing, an exclusive thing. And my take on that is the exact opposite. I think it's got to be an inclusive thing. It's not about me, it's about us. It's got to be about why we make music at all. So once upon a time, we used to make music at those sort of significant points in our lives, at those rituals, those rites in our lives, we would sing. And why was that? Because it was a heightened way of expressing what we felt do we still do that well in sort of organized ways but wouldn't it be wonderful if we did it because we just felt it mm. if at my child's 21st we just wanted to sing we just wanted to sing a song and do what if uh, at my grandmother's funeral we just wanted to sing because that's what we felt about grandma you know if in those points of our lives and they are sort of obvious, big rites of passage. But what's the point of choir then? Well, coming from the world, remember I work in a whole range of situations, part of which was the very elite end of music. I was classically trained, I've worked in Europe a lot, blah, 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 blah. Was the point of having a choir so we'd win the, all the competition. So we would sing a more difficult piece than anyone else. Um, very quickly, I realised that that was not why I wanted to do choir. Just wasn't. I wanted to do choir for all of those uh, beliefs I have about music education, about the sort of expressiveness, about the rigour, about the discipline, that's all great. Love all that about choir. But it was also then about helping people have a common purpose, a common goal, and working towards something together. That was the point. Uh, and I've run community choirs for many years, and now uh, I'm thinking of a choir which I started over thirty years ago. Many of the people in that choir are now quite elderly, and they have started to die. And I'm start I'm watching the way that that group of people are caring for one another, the way that this process of living and dying is something we accept as a normal part of being human. And I'm moved to tears, not by the fact that somebody might die, but by the way in which people are caring about one another in that process, about the way in which people are allowing life to flow through them. In this case, it might be grief or it might be loss. It might be the sheer difficulty of sitting with somebody as we slowly watch them decline. Uh, And therefore, I I, I sort of think more deeply, what is this function of music? I feel like I'm so far away from winning competitions and being the soloist on some TV show. I, I can't see that as anything but damaging, actually, because it removes us from the real function of music, that thing that we do together to collectively express what we feel about a particular situation. Mm. Uh, so while music has all those many functions, this idea of community music has this profound function of helping us bind together. We know that that one of the big issues we worry about is parent, carer, and infant bonding. So that's a a problem. We've got a whole lot of work going on around that space. But equally I see that we have the same issue with our elderly folk as we age. But equally I see the same problem with 18 year olds and 19 year olds. They finish school or they go to university or do whatever they do, and suddenly they do feel alone. Because if you like, There are built structures around us. We all have certain things we do. School is such a strong structure. We take it away and you're out in the world. Is it really necessary to have nothing left? So many of the young people I've uh, worked with have finished school, gone off to work or to further study or whatever they've done, but the one constant in their life was choir. They kept coming to choir. And when they got married, they asked, would the choir come and sing? And when they had babies, would, the, would we sing around the baby? So I've seen over this sort of uh, lifetime of being involved in music education, I've seen the way that music can be this part of people's lives, that it's a central way of interacting with the world and interacting with one another. So community choir for me, in some sort of unspoken way, serves this role. I don't talk all that much about it with the with the choir. We're here to sing and learn this new music and have you done this or whatever. Um, so I, I guess I'm running the choir in some ways along a more traditional way, learning the music. But I always have this agenda that it's actually about us all working together. Mm. God, I said, is there really anything quite as uh, as obvious in terms of solidarity, as everyone standing up and singing together? For me, mm. that's a profound statement about yeah. the world, how we think about it.
0: Yeah. And I remember as a child, I was in a primary school choir. We were very fortunate to have um, a, a music teacher at that primary school, which was not usual in rural Victoria. And I remember the moments where I felt uplifted as a child. I still remember those moments and the magic, the magical feeling of harmony, <gasps> and listening and responding. And you know, I I remember just how wonderful it made me feel. And we gave up our lunch times to do it. Didn't feel like we were giving up our lunch times. Felt like we were going to something that we really, really, really wanted to do, and we we're all very excited about it. Um, but it's also, as you say, James, you know, you learn. You learn stuff by default by doing music and often you don't realize you've learned it or that you've had a decided advantage in certain areas until you can look back years later and think oh well. I mean discipline discipline was easy and oh yeah i'm I'm able to actually. Listen, (laughs) you know uh, that that's easy I learned that at some point Okay, and you know these things that 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 we don't necessarily learn if we're not exposed to music.
1: And, you know, uh, for me, Sally, the one which uh, has emerged more and more strongly is we learn to be expressive. Mm. Actually, the whole act of singing is somewhat an act of vulnerability. So we see people who are unused to singing. It's very intimidating. It makes them feel very vulnerable. Well, ideally, that wouldn't happen. Ideally, from the time you were tiny, you just did it as a normal thing, as easily as we talk. But what do I see in the long term? I see, for example, I might have two groups of children, one who do come to choir, one who do participate in music actively, and they do use their voices to release a whole lot of emotional, and psychological things, thinkings about the world. And then I see the children who don't. And obviously they are different. Yes, I'm not saying music is the only way to be expressive, but it is a fundamental way to be expressive, particularly in terms of the singing. So what happens then as an adult? Well, we get people who are used to allowing their emotion to flow through them. Here's what I start singing, and this is these words, and this is the high point. And so there is this natural flow of emotion. Whereas if we don't practise that, then it's not as easy. Mm. And then it simply doesn't happen as mm. easily. And frankly, I think we need that. We live in a world where we're very easily caught up in our emotional worlds. Um, and I think you have to learn to let that flow through us. And so the singing is one of those ways. Uh, and as I say, I just noticed the difference between the children who have learned to let that happen who become adults, of course, and the people who don't.
0: Yeah, yeah, James. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's just been such a pleasure, and it's you know your it, your passion also just shines through when you're talking about this stuff. So, so thank you so much.
1: Oh, just fantastic to talk with you, so.
0: <laughs> and James, look, if people are sort of thinking, "Oh, he he does a summer school. Oh, what what's that about? how How can they get more information on that?"
1: So we now have set up the Cuskelly College of Music for people who are involved in music and would like more formal training. That's an avenue. But one of the key aspects of that uh, college has been a commitment to community. So we've always allowed people who are non-professional, non-trained to participate in programs. So obviously when we are online, that's more difficult. When we have the live programs, we have large numbers of people who come, they might wanna learn to read music. They might wanna sing, they might wanna be part of a bit of music theater. So we have lots of those sorts of opportunities. And again, I think people don't need to come all the way up to us I'm sure that people will find in their local communities places where they can go and involve themselves. and that's really what I'd love to see. I'd just love to see people being involved in music for the sheer joy and pleasure of it all.
0: Yeah, thank you so much james and and listeners thank you for tuning in and being a part of this great community. Um, and We'd love it if you were to share this episode with people you think would really enjoy it or to give us a review or a comment. Um, you can easily do that now if you have a couple of seconds. Um, you can also connect with us on social media if you'd like to, that's Instagram and Facebook at I am Sally Wilson. And that way you can meet some of our upcoming guests and have the opportunity to pose your questions for them ahead of time. So thanks again. Wonderful, James Cuskelly. Thanks, James.
1: Thank you, Sally. <laughs> bye bye, everyone.
0: Bye everyone and I look forward to meeting with you over the waves next time.